message today is where is your hunger? Okay? So I'm challenged by this word. Please, like, hear my heart. I'm challenged by this word. So if you feel challenged, it's okay. I'm not targeting you. I'm targeting myself. All right? Okay. Whew. Have you ever been to the, um, gone to the supermarket hungry? Anybody ever done that? You know, like, I'm really hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm just going to go to the supermarket. And you know it's a really bad idea. You drive, like, you dive around the supermarket like a crazy person and you're grabbing Pringles and you've got bread and I don't eat bread. And then you've got, like, a roast chicken and then you've got, like, 52 drinks because you're slightly thirsty as well. And then there's a pack of chips and there's a bit of chocolate because, you know, I might get, I might die of starvation on my way to the car. And so I'm just, like, loading things up because I'm really, really, really hungry. And you get in the car and you go, right, I'm just going to have a piece of chocolate to get me home. And you're like, oh. I'm dead. I'm good. I'm done. No, I'm not full anymore. I've just spent like $50 million on like all this food because I was hungry right in that moment. You know, you know, it's now going to take me a week to eat that food. But, um, but I was hungry and so I had to deal with it right then and there. Hunger can actually drive us to do really crazy things. Is anyone else? Okay, cool. So, like, like, yeah. Not just me. Not just me. Um, <laughs> How many times have you ever had to apologise for the things that you did when you were hangry? Anybody else with me there, sir? You get angry because you're hungry. So we call that hangry. I do tend to get hangry. Um, sometimes I have to apologise to my family for the things I said and did when I was hangry. Um, you know, <laughs> hunger starts wars. You know, it drives people to do things that they never do. In the Bible, it calls Esau to give up his birthright. For a bowl of lentil soup. So um, Esau, dude, had been out hunting for a few days and, and um, come back and he was really hungry. He'd been out, you know, it's, it's tough work and just come home like just want food. And he comes in and his brother Jacob had been actually had been um, cooking lentil soup. Sounds delicious. Good times. And he comes in. And Esau smells it and he's like, Ha Adam, Ha Adam, the red stuff, the red stuff, give me the red stuff. It's lentil soup. And his brother goes, Well, sees an opportunity. He goes, I can, I can give you the red stuff, I can give you some of my soup, but you've got to give me your birthright first. And Esau, in his hunger, is like, He care, I don't need that right now. Take my birthright. Give me the soup. And so he takes the soup and eats it. And afterwards, he's full and satisfied. And, and now he's functioning again. And it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've just given up my birthright. Soup. Not even like chicken, you know, good stuff. Like just lentil soup. Plain it's lentils, like, I, I, don't, I just don't know anyone who gets too excited about lentils. But, um, you know, that's what he, he gave up for that. He had, a, he had a massive case of the regrets, as reality said, and what had actually done. Now, the Bible is filled with people who, I, um, who had a hunger, not in the natural, but a spiritual hunger. A hunger for God, and it made them do crazy things. Crazy, crazy things. David danced naked in the presence of the Lord. Aren't you glad? <laughs> then we don't do that here. 
like, for all the visual people on that, sorry right now, but I need to go there, we don't do that. But here is David, King David, Lord of a nation, stopping every few metres and dancing starkers in front of everyone because he was so hungry for the Lord, he was so passionate about his presence. No. His wife chastised him, she was so embarrassed about his behaviour. And she was mad that he was embarrassing himself in front of the lonely people around him. Now, to be fair, if my husband was dancing naked in front of, you know, church, I'd probably be... No, no, sit down. Um, I'd, I'd probably be a wee bit upset myself, you know, but, um, and I might have a few words to say. Um, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus climbed a tree um, to, to catch a glimpse of Jesus. You know, he wasn't a popular man, he was a tax collector... No, and small in stature, so I kind of picture he was short and stout, like a teapot. Okay. Um, and, um, but he, he climbed a tree because he wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus in order to see above the crowds. It says in, um, in Luke 19, 1-10, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but before he, because he was short, he could not see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must come to your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here I am, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The people started muttering amongst themselves when they heard that Jesus was going to stay with a sinner. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure we're all sinners here. Will it be right? Has anybody here got it all sorted, all together? Put your hand down, Lady Jeffrey Thompson. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all sinners, none of us have a perfect. But God chose, still chooses to meet with us. He still chooses to hang out with us. But the people muttered because they disapproved. You know, Jesus saw him acting on, the keys to the hunger for Jesus saw him acting in a way that wasn't really becoming of a tax collector, you know, or of a wealthy man. But it also saw Jesus meet with him and he changed his life as a result. The woman with the issue of blood. I love, love, love this story. The woman with the issue of blood, she, you know, she was shunned by society for 12 years. Okay, she was ostracized. She wasn't able to come into public places. It's a bit like coronavirus, but back in, like, biblical times. You know, she couldn't leave her house. She couldn't go places. She couldn't gather with people because she had this issue. She was unclean. Okay, she was deemed unclean by society, and she was the lowest of the lowest. So she had to rely on people to feed her. She didn't have to rely on people to provide for her because she wasn't able to do any of that herself. You know, and she knew that if she could catch one touch of Jesus, that one touch from him would heal her. So she got on her hands and knees and she crawled through the crowds because they weren't going to let her through. And they weren't going to want to touch her. She was supposed to walk around going, unclean, 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 everywhere she went. But she got on her hands and knees and she crawled through the crowds. These hot dusty, stinky feet through them to touch the garment of Jesus. All she wanted was one touch from him and the hope that she would be healed. She didn't know that she'd be healed, but she had a hope that she'd be healed. 
Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, hanging off every word and basking in his presence, ignoring her sister Martha's demands to come and do the housework. I'm going to tell you, of both of those options, I know which one is more appealing to me. I'm Mary. <laughs> you know, I really want to sit at the feet of Jesus. But I must admit at times that the lure of housework and things that need done, the things that are pressing right now can get in the way. You know, but Mary, she just hung off every word he said. She just gazed adoringly at him, just wanting to hear what is it that he has to say. I want to know all of it. Just ignoring, ignoring what she was, the demands that were being thrown at her. Blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus, um, even when the crowd tried to shut him up. You know, and in fact, he actually called out louder and louder, despite them going, hush your mouth right now. You know, until he got Jesus as a teacher. In Mark 10, 46 to 52, it says, They spent some time in Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving town, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David! Son of mercy! Jesus, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder. Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, call him over. They called to him, it's your lucky day. He's calling you over, get up. And throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. And that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. Many tried to hush him up, but he called out all the louder. Have you ever noticed that your hunger can make other people uncomfortable? Have you ever noticed that before? Don't, don't get too on fire for Jesus. Shh. Quiet. Shh. Put your hands down. Don't raise your hands in worship. Don't go clapping and getting excited. You kind of, you can feel it. People, it makes people, your hunger makes people feel uncomfortable. But despite their discomfort, I want to encourage you, church, don't quench your hunger. Don't, don't push it down. Don't squash your hunger. The crowds tried to quieten Bartimaeus. Martha tried to pull Mary away from the feet of Jesus. David's wife chastised him because of what his hunger looked like. The people muttered amongst themselves when Jesus saved them for peace. When we're hungry for Jesus, for the presence of God, it can be uncomfortable for people, especially if they don't share that hunger. I feel it exposes things, exposes inadequacies, and, oh, I'm actually not on fire like that, so shush. Okay, I, I, I don't feel comfortable raising my hands, so don't put your hands up. I don't, I don't like clapping. I promise you, Charles Hargo, we don't do that here. I'm sorry, if you've been to a rugby game, you do that here. Okay, yeah, we don't do that. You know, so don't, don't, shh. You'll have people who are trying to quench your hunger. In the natural, our hunger can be quenched or satisfied by eating. I quite like to eat. It's like, it's a good thing. You hunger, you eat, then you're no longer hungry. Problem solved. Until a few hours later, once your body's done its thing, and it's time to be hungry again, it's time to be eat, and so the cycle continues. For a spiritual hunger, the more you eat, the more Jesus you get, the more you want him, the more you desire for him, the more you hunger after him. 
through a thing online um, this morning, actually, spiritual hunger is rewarded with a greater capacity for hunger. The more you hunger after him, the more you go after him, the more your capacity increases for the presence of God, the more your desire grows. When you drink water, it actually satisfies hunger cravings. If you, if you drink, if you're hungry, often they say you should drink water first because you're actually not hungry, you're thirsty. And have you ever noticed that when you drink water, you just want more water? If you drink stuff that's not water, sometimes you just feel a bit gross. I drink a lot of tea. Um, and I, like, I know sometimes actually I just need to stop the tea and the caffeine and just have some water right now. But when you drink water, it satisfies the hunger cravings, but you continue to desire water. Isaiah 52, sorry, 55, verses 1 to 2 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Why spend money as what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen to me, what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fear. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Jesus is often called the living water. Wells of living water spring from him. John 7, 38 to 39 says, On the final climactic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand. He cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way. Just as the scripture says, he says this in regard to the Spirit with whom those who believed him and him were about to receive. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. John 10, 14 says, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I, I would give you living water. Jesus is the well that does not run dry. We can drink from him, we can drink from his presence, and we will continuously be filled. We never have to worry about them running empty. We never have to worry about not having enough Jesus. I wanna I wanna ask you church this morning, how is your hunger? Not in the natural, alright? I don't need to know what you think for breakfast. But how is your hunger? Are you hungry enough that are you hungry enough that it will cause you to climb a tree to see Jesus? Or to continue to call out to him, even though the crowds try to shut you down? Or is hunger for God not something that you can relate to right now? Are you apathetic, going through the motions, and just feeling stuck? Have you lost your appetite this morning? No judgment at all. Like, please hear my heart, this is not a message of judgment. It's just really important for us to take stock of where we're at, and to actually know that for ourselves. I know for myself, I go through seasons of being hungry for God and passionate and on fire. And other seasons where I'm just like, I struggle to eat. And lately, for me, it's been a season of being too tired to eat. And we'll go into that in a wee bit. But there are a few things that actually gets in the way of our hunger. And those are kind of what I want to look at this morning, church. You know, where is our hunger at? And what are the things that can squash our hunger? Okay, so there are things that can actually squash our hunger. You know, um, a passion and a hunger for God is actually a gift for God, from God. But we actually have to do something with it, and we have to actually um, grow on it and maintain it and stuff. We have to look after it. So there are things that can squash our hunger. So the first thing that can squash our hunger is that we eat the wrong foods. 
Okay, so I've got dietary requirements that I suck at keeping. And when I eat the wrong foods, which unfortunately, because I suck at keeping them, it's quite often, um, it means I can't actually eat other food for a while. Okay, so I just one of the side effects is I just can't eat. Um, and so it, one of the side effects I get is it can actually make me sleepy. And try as I might, that there might be absolutely nothing that I can do to keep me awake. And like, poor Ray, like, I'll literally just pass out the couch and I'll be like... I just, I just, it's just one of the side effects I have because I'm eating the wrong foods. Now, are you becoming sleepy to the things of God? Are you becoming numb? Do you feel numb when people talk about church stuff or God stuff or any of that kind of spiritual stuff to you? Now, I would encourage, if that's the case, I would encourage you to look at what is it that you're eating? What is it that you're filling yourself with? Not physically, okay? Not physically, but what are the things that you're filling your life with? Is it just a constant stream of Netflix? You know, are you constantly getting the, are you still watching? And then you push the button and go, stop judging me, shut up and play the next episode. Like, is anyone else, is it just, just, just me? Okay, cool. <laughs> Telling you, we're all hanging out this morning. Um, you know, what, you know, is like, is that your constant background noise? Is that what you're filling your life with? You know, um, is your phone constantly in your hand? I don't have one on me, which is unusual. But you know, like, is that constantly, you're feeling the silence, you're feeling the, the, the dead air, you're feeling the, the pause in your life with, with things? Are you filling it with your phone constantly, on your phone? Are you filling it with, with just activities and stuff and things to do? I must, you've got to go from this, there's no breathing space. We, um, we went to, to uh, Intercuggle a couple weeks ago to see our, um, our former senior pastors. It was their 30-year anniversary of being a senior pastors in their former church. And it was just an amazing, amazing celebration. And we loved it. And we played at Ephraim's Batch in Riverton. It was just beautiful. But we were supposed to leave that morning, like the next morning at 7.30 to be in Dunedin to run a Red Frogs training. So we knew that we were going to be in, in the car and for less than 12 hours. And then we're going to boost to the Dunedin first thing in the morning, run a training and come home and stuff. And um, a few days later, sorry, a few days prior, the training got cancelled. We're like, okay, cool. I thought, oh, this means that we can actually we can just sleep in. We can hang out in Riverton. And, oh, my goodness, the possibility is endless. And then we're at the, at the, um, at the celebration on the Friday night. They said to us, oh, we're doing a leadership thing with Pastor Sam and Kathy Monk, who are our national leaders, really important, amazing people. We're doing a leadership thing with them at 9 o'clock in the morning. Do you guys want to come? And I was like, I would so love to come. But I believe that God has given us a pause. And we actually just need to take it. So we could have filled in morning with something good. Something really, really good. Like an amazing opportunity. But I believe that God had given us a pause and I didn't want to fill it with stuff. Because we don't get to pause very often. And that morning, I got to sleep in. I got to drink cups of tea in the lounge that overlooked the ocean with the sun rising. Read my Bible and read a magazine. And it was the most alive I've felt in so long. Because I could pause, I could breathe, and I could actually just reflect and listen to God. You know, so often we can fill ourselves with stuff, 
activity after activity after activity after thing after thing after thing. We can be constantly on our phone and answering every time a message comes through, checking it, looking at it, and filling our life with, with that and expectations of others. Whereas actually, that's not the right food for us. We need to be eating stuff that helps us to build our hunger, that doesn't make us sleepy to the things of God. Does that make sense, church? You're very quiet this morning. I'm sorry if you're, if you're like freaking out right now. And I can I can share about those things because those are the story of my life. Okay, I work as a freelancer, so I'm constantly having to check Facebook and be on my phone. And so there's the problem at times where I can go, oh, I just need to... No, I don't need to check it. You know what? I need to put some boundaries and create space. Not fill things up with the wrong foods. Another thing that can squash your hunger is we don't actually eat regularly. Now, we can actually be sustained by what we ate a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, a couple of years ago. We can't be sustained by what we ate back then. You know, that one time that you're on fire for God and excited about Him when you're a teenager is not enough to sustain you now. It's not going to feed you right where you're at right now. You know, that word that you received six months ago, amazing word, but that's not going to sustain you now. That's not going to feed you now. Yes, it has a part to play, and that's awesome, but it is not enough to sustain you. You need fresh bread every day. Fresh money every day. When the Israelites were in the desert, and they were wandering around for 40 years, because they couldn't read directions, they got provided manna for them in the desert. So every day, every day, fresh manna would come from the ground, and then cook it and prepare it and then eat it. Every day, fresh manna. But it couldn't be held on to the next day. They couldn't stockpile it for another time. They had to actually use it or lose it. Okay, they couldn't, what would happen is if they stockpiled it, we just, we don't know when this is going to come again, we're just going to stockpile it. It would actually go off. It would be rotten and they couldn't eat it. So they actually had to trust God would provide them every day. They had to rely on him to provide for them fresh money and just trust that it's going to be okay. Another thing that squashes our hunger is that we can be too full of ourselves. You did hear that right. So, <laughs> in the natural, when you're full, it's actually impossible not and uncomfortable to keep eating. Everyone like, oh, I've eaten way too much. You go out to a buffet... And your eyes are bigger than your belly, and you're like, I want all of the things. Like, all of them. And you fill up your entire plate. Same happens at a wedding. I'm shocked if this is a wedding. I'm like, okay, right. And you get the plate, sit down and eat it. You're like, oh, no, there's dessert coming. But that, like, that, that ham with that pineapple sauce is really good. I'm going to go back for some of that. You know, like, you, <laughs> you, and you get to that point. And you've got a three-hour drive home from the wedding and you're like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. It hurts right now. We didn't bring the stretchy pants. Like, what the heck? You know, you get to that point where it's, you're full, it's, you're uncomfortable to keep eating. And so we've got to make way for the new food. And I'll just leave it to your imagination because we all know how that happens. But, you know, as, um, as spiritual beings, we have to... We have to actually allow for that stuff that we've eaten, that spiritual food that we've eaten, to come out. We actually have to allow for it 
to be utilised, to be used, in order for us to take more in. So last year, Ray and I went to Shout Conference in, um, in Auckland, and Shout is one of our conference, national conferences that we go to. An incredible, amazing time. And then we had this brilliant idea, because a RISE conference was bringing a RISE conference to the South Island for the first time. And we've got great friends there, and they're like, yeah, you should come, it's free for senior pastors. And they're like, woohoo, it's my budget, let's go. So we, so we did Shout Conference in Auckland, and then the next week, we drove to Christchurch for a RISE conference. Now, I should have had an idea when I drove off the road on the way to Christchurch that probably this may not have been such a good idea. Like, I was already physically tired. But we went to this conference, and there's, like, incredible speakers. There's, like, Craig Grishel, who does, like, leadership podcasts, and is just, like, amazing. There's, like, many, like, tens of thousands of people on this trip in the States. Like, incredible. There was, like... These amazing classes, incredible, incredible messages. And Ray and I, we've got a friend who sent us a photo. He was sitting up on the like the mezzanine in the Christchurch Town Hall. It's filled with people. And everyone was like, there was like this incredible moment when Pastor Senior Rodriguez was preaching. And like he's a shouter, he's really exciting, it's amazing. And everyone is like, yeah. And Ray and I are like this. And our friend texted us this photo, and he's like, are you guys all right? I'm like, um, uh, we can't take anything in right now. So the messages that were actually amazing, like, incre- like I tell you, like incredible conference, were so amazing, but we were too full from shout. We couldn't take it in. We hadn't processed what, what God had done in us at shout. And so I now tell people, and you'll hear this, if I ever decide to do back-to-back conferences again, because I will, because I get FOMO, I like to do things, don't want to miss out, like punch me in the face. Because seriously, it was not a good idea. And I know that next year, or this year, I'm going to go, let's do it again! I'm like, no, because, <laughs> but we were just too full, we couldn't take it in. And like, we're just going, these messages are amazing, but we feel nothing right now, because we, we can't fit it in. We need to take what we do, and um, what we've learned is to take all of each and that food that we've had that's been so, so good. And we need to process it and we need to do something with it and we need to make it a part of us before we can get something else in. And we had our great friend Tessa. You guys will remember Tessa, we had her a couple of weeks ago. Um, she's a missionary that was in Ethiopia with the YWAM. And um, she said this thing while she was sharing her message that we need to give out all this we put out to be poured into. We need to give out in order to pour into now. Our society, our culture will tell you that we need to just bring all the bring all the stuff to me, just give it to me, and I'm gonna hold it to myself. My giftings, my talent, my my dreams, I'm gonna hold them all to myself. But actually, we need to give out in order that we can be poured into. You know, we need to give out of what we're learning, we need to give out of the revelation that God has for us, we need to give out of the gifts and the talents we have for us. I want to encourage you. If you're going, oh, I've got nothing, like, I'm not feeling poured into. How about you start pouring out? Oh, I've got, I, 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 I don't know, I feel nothing. How about you give out? Whether it be serving, whether it be time for a conversation, to pray for someone, to love on them. How about you give out of what it is that God has given and given so there is room for you to be poured into? Does that make sense, church? Right. Be very quiet for you. 
Thanks, Marcus. Interesting. You're very interesting. Thanks. All of us. Hush your mouth. Okay. You have to derail my message. Okay. The other thing that can squash our appetite, and I, this one is one that um, actually like, applies to me a lot of the time, is we're actually too tired to eat. Okay. Have you ever got to the point where you're too tired to eat? You've been out, it's been a long day, like, oh, so hungry, but I'm too tired to eat. Anybody else a bit? Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. It's more than just like a physical tiredness, though. You know, so with this, and when you, something that squashes our, our spiritual hunger, it's not just a physical tiredness that we're too tired to eat. It's a tiredness, not a tiredness where you, you know, have a nap and a good night's sleep and eight hours and one and done, you're good to go. It's not that kind of tiredness. It's a, a, a mental, emotional, spiritual tiredness. Now, I think it's the hardest one to beat, to be honest. It's the hardest one to deal with. You know, I'm tapped out. I've got nothing to give. I can't eat anything. I can't take anything in. I'm just, I'm done. You know, that sense of I'm done, that squashes your spiritual hunger. God doesn't want us to squash down our appetite. He doesn't want us to, 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 to not be able to eat. He wants us to be fueled. He wants us to be um, passionate for him because he's passionate about us. So if we've, if we've found that our, you know, our hunger is, is gone, we've lost our appetite, then what do we do? What do we do if we lose our appetite? First thing I would suggest, and it's like in my notes, <laughs> that's what we're going with, is take a bite. How often have you ever started eating and then you realise that you had no idea how hungry you were, actually were? You start, oh, I'll just take a bite, and then suddenly like a roast and veggies and dessert is all gone, and you're like, wow, I had no idea I was that hungry. You know, like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just take a wee thing. You know, take a bite. Take a bite and just see what happens. See how hungry you actually are. You know, to, um, to develop a spiritual appetite, a hunger for Jesus, we need to take a bite and watch our appetite increase. Put on some worship music. Open your Bible. Take a moment to talk to God. I don't care what it looks like. Take a bite. You know? Whatever it is, make a start. Okay? We can sit around and go, oh, I'm so tired. So I just, I'm just not hungry. I'm just not passionate about the things of God. I know I should change it, but I don't want to. It's too hard. You know what? Take a bite. It doesn't have to be a big one. Take a bite. Make a start. You know, I love, um, I find that the, I want to worship the most after our worship practices. So the word, the creative team, they come to our house every Thursday night and we prepare for Sunday. And as part of that, we do a bit of worship, we learn some songs, we talk about Sunday, what's it going to look like, we pray for one another, we finish in worship. And then after we've had food and everyone leaves, I crank up the worship music in my lounge. And like, you know, the family come in, can we watch TV now, can please? No, no, I'm, I want to worship. And I find that my, my hunger for worship is at its greatest after we've actually just had an hour and a half to two hour practice for worship. And you'd think by that stage I'll be done. But what I find it does is it stirs up something within me. You have to practice. But it stirs up something within me. It goes, I want more of that. Oh, God. I want more of your presence. 
Oh God, I just want to sit here and lift up your name. I want to glorify you. Lord, I just want to worship you right now. And it's some of the most powerful moments I have is after that worship practice. You know? Ideally, you'd think I'd be like, okay, cool, we've done, take that off the list, what's next? But no, I just want to sit in his presence because there's something that's disturbing to me in that time. So I want to encourage you, take a bite. What does that look like? You know, take a bite and just say, God, I might just, I don't know, just put some worship music on in the background. Oh, oh God, I wasn't expecting that. Oh God, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, oh now I want to worship. Oh, oh God, I think I want to clap. God, oh, oh, I want to raise my hands and lift up your name. Take a bite. See what that looks like. Another way to, um, to help you get hungry is to eat with others. And there's actually something really powerful that happens when we gather together to share food together. And that's why as a church we do morning tea as we do. You know, we've got a platter. We sit around and we pick and we, you know, we sit and we chat and we talk and there's food and it's awesome. It's why as a family we celebrate around food. So every, in our family when we've got special occasions for birthdays, Christmas, Easter, Anzac Day, we do pancake breakfast. You know, we sit and we have food together. It's the only time I eat pancakes because I make enough of them during Red Frogs during the day. <laughs> You know, but like we celebrate around food, and biblically, so many gatherings were done around food and eating together. There's power in community. If you are struggling to get hungry for God, eat with others. Okay? Get around people who are hungry for God. Join a connect group. Come to church. Go to a conference. Get yourself into an environment that's going to challenge you, to encourage you. Um, and, and inspire you. It says in the word that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. If you're not hungry, get around people who are. It may be uncomfortable for all. You might want to tell them to sit down and calm the farm because what are they doing? But you know, eventually what's going to happen is that's going to rub off on you. Get around people who are going to encourage you. It lifts your faith. It lifts your hunger. And you're going to find that you can't help but be drawn in. That. My prayer for worship is that when people come in, if they can feel that they can't help but be dragged, kicking and screaming into the presence of God because the draw of it is so so much that the hunger that draws out of them for God is so great. That they might not want to enter in, but they can't help it because there's something within them calling deep unto deep. That's my prayer and my heart for worship. Now taste something new. Taste something new. I love food. Kind of tell. But, you know, I love to try new food most of the time when I feel it's safe. Okay. Uh, um, there are sometimes I just won't try food because I'll determine that I don't know if I want to eat that. When I was in rural Thailand, there was a few times I was like, I don't know if I want to eat that one. Because they use all of the things to make the food. <laughs> and I remember one time we're at a school. So I went to Thailand. Um, my first trip overseas, I was 20. Who they called me grandma. And um, I went on this mission trip with 15 year olds, that's why I was grandma. And um and we're just gonna made this and you could go for this broth or this broth. There was a clear chicken looking broth and there was a red, darker coloured looking broth. I was like, okay, cool. It's like I will go with that one. Because it looks a bit more familiar to me. And I was glad I did. Because this one was made using congealed chicken blood. And I was like, cool. 
I'm not eating for the rest of the trip. <laughs> like, I just don't know. There are times where my uh, unwillingness to try new things has stood me in good stead, but there are other times that I'm so glad I tried it. There are other times, you know, when we try something new, when we step out of the boat, it's good. Um, when it comes to trying new things with God or starting a fresh new spiritual practice, fear will come into play. I don't want to do that. I don't know what that's going to look like. We're creatures of comfort. We like to know what the outcome is. Okay, we like to know that things are going to be okay. Sometimes we're going to be afraid. What is actually going to happen if I become hungry for God? If I become hungry for God, am I going to be one of those weird people that raises their hands in church and claps and gets excited? We can't have that. It's not proper. No, am I... Am I going to be like one of those weird people that's going to want to walk up to people and ask them if I can pray for them? I don't know if I can do that. God, I, like, that's uncomfortable. People might look at me funny. You know, like, fear comes into play because of the unknown. And, you know, we, we feel it's safer to stick with what we know. When Jesus told Peter to get out of the boat and onto the water, it must have seemed completely crazy. Completely crazy. Peter, just, just get out of the boat. Just come to me. Come to me. I know it's water. It's fine. You won't sink. Just, just come to me. Like, imagine if you were Peter. God, yeah, I don't want to do that, Jesus, because uh, I'm going to sink and look like an idiot. I'm going to get wet. It's going to be uncomfortable. But he trusted Jesus enough to do that. He took a risk. Peter tried the exotic new food that he'd never tasted. And now generations of believers look to him at his example of walking in spiritual authority. As a result of him tasting that thing that he didn't know what it tasted like, we now look to him and go, look, Peter trusted Jesus and look what happened. Look, he walked on water. He did a miracle. Just smelling or tasting a food awakens the appetite. Experience a new revelation of God's power and goodness and enlivens our spiritual appetite. No one who walks on top of water is going to say, Look from that experience and go, wow, that sucked. Wish I hadn't done that. You know, they're going to go, I walked on water. Like, what the heck? God is so good. They're going to go, what else is possible with Jesus? You know? What else is possible with Jesus? The final thing to, um, to help me get hungry is to share. And when I thought of this image, I thought of um, just breaking bread together. Just breaking bread and just sharing out amongst one another. Throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged to share what it is that the Lord has done. You know, the power of testimony lies in its ability to reproduce itself. When someone testifies that his blind eyes were healed, it inspires faith for other blind people to be healed. Story after story after story after story of what Jesus has done. The woman with the issue of blood was healed. Blind Bartimaeus was healed. And as we share what it is that God has done in our lives, it sparks faith in others. It, it sparks, it, it stirs something within us. I love, love hearing stories of what people have done and what God has done in and through them. I love hearing stories of people stepping out, even the most unlikely people stepping out into what it is that God has for them. I love stories of when they've stepped out and it, and it failed spectacularly 
but the fact that they stepped out anyway gives me incredible, incredible faith. And it gives me incredible, incredible hope. Revelation 19.10 says, This testimony of Jesus is the spirit of, is the spirit of prophecy. When we share the testimonies, the stories of what God has done in our lives, is actually a prophetic act. We're actually declaring um, for someone else that this is possible. Now, when we realise that someone else is walking in the reality of what we want in our own life, hope is born. When we're um, doing young adults back down in Bacago, we used to encourage people to activate their faith and just step out into what it is that God has been doing. And so um, I'd set we challenges at the end of week two. Now, this week, guys, we're going to do this. And then we're going to come back and share about it. And I remember one week, we said, I just want to encourage you, like, ask God to show you something you can pray for, whether it be something that you know or don't know. And we had this one girl, her name was Ruth. And she was amazing. But she, she like, she, like she was, she was a very staunch, standoffish kind of amazing girl, but very like, she just liked to play devil's advocate and wind people up. But she was very, like, don't come near me, kind of confrontational, kind of body language, just staunch. And she came to, to young adults. She's like, so I was like, does anyone want to share? And she's like, well, yeah. I was like, okay. And she's like, well, I saw this person uh, walking down the road and they had limp. And I'm like, uh-huh. Because I was like, did you trip then? <laughs> I love her. Like, <laughs> I love her. But she was like, I was like, she's not like a people person. And not a, yeah, she was amazing. But um, she's like, yeah, they had limp. And I felt God say, come pray for them. And I was like, and I could just imagine her going up. And I was like, afraid. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, I went up to this person. And she said, God says you need healed. I'm going to pray for you right now. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, yes. And so and she prayed for them. And I was like, oh, that, that's amazing. And I was like, what happened? She's like, I don't know. I walked off. Okay, cool. But the fact that she stepped out, and she's the most, like, you've got to understand, like, you, she's like the most unlikely person. And um, she, she stepped out. But that, that, that stretched my faith. That encouraged me and my faith. And I could see everyone else in the room like, she said, what? If she could do that, then what am I doing? Like, so it was amazing. It, it lifted our faith. It encouraged us. And, um, you know, like just hearing her testimony, how she stepped out. We don't even know how, what, what happened, but it doesn't matter. God does. You know, I think when we share our stories about how we stepped out with her and how God came through, whether he came through how we thought or how it wasn't how we thought, there's something about it that increases our hunger. It causes a stirring within us. It causes a stirring within us. Um, do I can I get you up now? Um, yeah. So I want to encourage you, church, if you're needing to get hungry, now take a bite, eat with others, taste something new, and share it. But if in all else, if you're like, you know what, Shannon, I... I it might work for other people. You don't understand where I'm at. You don't, you, don't, you don't understand. Like, I've been so dry. I've been so numb for long. I'm just going through the motions. You don't understand. I've tried it all. It's not going to work. I want to encourage you from Romans 8.28. That's the message. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired of the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. 
if we don't know what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. Making prayer out of our worthless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives as lovers for God is worked into something good. I encourage you, church, if you're feeling hungry, if you're feeling empty, and go, I, I don't know, I don't know if I can eat, I, don't, I, just, I just don't know. If you're, if you're feeling that sense of, I'm done, I'm done, I can't give any more, I can't do any more. I encourage you, give it to God. Let him act on your behalf. Let him do the praying for you. Let him be your hunger. 